Alrighty, so if you would take your Bibles, we'll get into our message tonight, Joshua 13. Back to Joshua. I'm excited about it. <clears throat> it's been a little while since we've been there. If you remember, as you find that, and whenever you find that, go ahead and stand. And as we uh, do that, I'll give you a little bit of uh, context and bring you back up to speed. But um, Joshua and Israel has has entered Canaan and for the most part have uh, taken Canaan. Now they haven't defeated the whole uh, uh, land yet, but but they own Canaan, right? And God has told Joshua his part of conquering and leading the armies and being part of a battle. All of that is done, and now he's switching gears and he's going to start dividing the land. That's That was what God commanded Joshua as he went in. He said, go in, take the land, divide the land. And so the take the land part, as far as Joshua is concerned, is over, and he's going to begin to divide the land, and we're going to be getting into the title deeds and all of the boundaries and borders and lists of names. I'm excited. Amen? Yeah! Woohoo! So let's get right into that, and we're going to start our passage. Our passage actually starts in verse 8, but we'll go ahead and start our reading in verse 7 and kind of get um, work our way into it. So it says this, Now therefore... Divide this land for an inheritance unto the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh, with whom the Reubenites and the Gadites have received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond Jordan eastward, even as Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. From Aurora, and that is upon the bank of the river, and really uh, down to verse 13, he describes what, he's, what they've given uh, to the those two and a half tribes. Uh, let's go ahead and jump down. Uh, sorry, I should have marked that where we jumped down. Now, verse 14, Only unto the tribe of Levi he gave none inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said unto them. Then in verse 15 down to Really, toward verse thirty, verse thirty-one, he just lists uh, what uh, Reuben is going to receive and what Gad is going to receive, and what the half tribe of Manasseh is going to receive. And then we get down, and he sums it all up here in verse thirty-three. Let's go ahead, verse thirty-two. And these are the countries which Moses did distribute for the inheritance of the plains of Moab on the other side, Jordan, by Jericho eastward. And again, he mentions verse 33, but unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said unto them. Now chapter 14. And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them. By lot was their inheritance, as the Lord commanded, by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of two tribes and a half-tribe on the other side, Jordan, but unto the Levites, again he mentions, he gave none inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. Therefore they gave no part unto the Levites in the land, save cities to dwell in and their suburbs for their cattle and for their substance. As the Lord commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. And so the title tonight is this, 
be careful what you ask for. Be careful what you ask for. You're like, where did you get that? Well, you'll see, okay? So let's get into the message, and we'll, we'll talk about it tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, just for being so good to us, to give us your word and to speak through us. We're thankful you still speak to hearts. You still guide and direct. And so I pray that you would help us tonight. Help me as I declare your word. Help me to, Lord, make sense of all of this and, and give it in a way that we can understand and follow. And then that your Holy Spirit would take a hold of these truths and apply them to our hearts and to our lives that we can glorify you tonight. We love you in Christ and I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you again for standing. <clears throat> so again, as we said, the first part of chapter 13, God told Joshua that he had finished his responsibility in the conquering of Canaan, and now it was time for him to divide the land. Now we said, didn't we, that there are still Canaanites that needed to be taken care of, but Joshua didn't need to worry about that. Remember, we said he needed to focus on his responsibility that God had given him, and he had to trust God that God would use somebody else to take care of the rest of the fighting. Okay, and that'll help us. And it's been a little while since we said that, so I'll just say it again. But we just need to focus on what God has called us to do and not be overly focused and distracted by making sure everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do. We have enough to worry about to focus on what we're supposed to do. Uh, and so anyways, that's what God told Joshua there at the first part of chapter 13. And so he said, divide the land. And now in our passage, here's an overview of how the land would be divided. And so the first task Joshua was going to have here was actually to confirm what Moses had already done. Okay, so Moses had already agreed to give two and a half tribes their inheritance, but it was on the other side Jordan. You remember that? As we started Joshua, and as they came to the brink of the Jordan River, and as they crossed the Jordan River, do you remember Joshua said to Reuben, to Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, he said, you have already received your inheritance, and now it's time for you, even though you have your inheritance, you need to cross with your brothers, and you need to fight with your brothers. Do you remember that? Um, because that's already taken place. Moses had already given them uh, that. If you look in verse 7 and 8, Now therefore divide this land for inheritance into the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So Joshua, you're gonna, you are going to, in a moment, uh, divide that, the other nine and a half tribes. Okay, So do a little bit of math here. There's 12 tribes. Okay, So two and a half tribes. If this is the Jordan, we'll just do that for tonight. On the other side, Jordan... Those two and a half tribes will have their land, and Joshua is going to, in a moment, divide the other nine and a half tribes. How are we doing? I know it's, you know, a lot of us are far removed from school, but that's okay, right? A little bit of math, okay? And so verse 7, that's what he said, and then verse 8, with whom the Reubenites and the Gadites have received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond Jordan, uh, eastward, even as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had gave them. So that was done back in Numbers 32. If you'd like to turn there, you can. We're going to read a little bit just to describe what's going on here. Uh, but back in Numbers 32, that's when Moses did that. And in verse 1 through 7, it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And so this is when Moses, before Moses has died, he's leading Israel and he's bringing them up toward the brink of the promised land. Now we know Moses wasn't able to cross 
but he was able to lead them to the brink. And as they're heading up to the brink of the promised land, uh, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, they see this land on the other side of Jordan. And they knew that this was part of the land that they would eventually have. Now they would have to cross the Jordan to finish the job and go into Canaan, but they knew that this was part of the land that God was going to give them. And so when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. And they said, we have a lot of cattle, and this land is great for our cattle. And so, verse 2, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and, and all of that, uh, verse 4, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. This is a great place for cattle. We have a lot of cattle. This is all lining up. Okay, so wherefore they said, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. So they're, so you, are you following what's happening? They're like, let's, can we have this? Is what they're saying. We like this. Can we have it uh, before we go over? In verse number 6, And Moses said unto them, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? Moses is not happy with this plan. So you guys are being wimps. You don't want to go over, okay? But that wasn't it. We'll see in a second. But Moses is like, no, you can't just stay here and while the rest of us go to war, okay? And, and verse 7, And wherefore discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord had given them. And so um, they, they go through this, and Moses says, you can't just not go over. And so if you go down to verse 16, uh, and they said this, And they came near unto him, unto Moses, and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves, the men said, we will go ready, armed, before the children of Israel until we have brought them into their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return into our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side Jordan or forward because our inheritance has fallen to us on this side Jordan eastward. So are you following? They said, listen, okay, you, I understand Moses what you're saying. Our, we're, not, we're not doing this because we're scared to fight. No, we want to fight. We just like this land. And so if you don't mind, we'll just build our city. We'll build a fence around it to keep it protected from the inhabitants while we're gone. We'll build a place for our cattle because we got cattle, remember? And so we'll get all that. We'll settle. And then we'll go fight. We'll, we'll keep our families here. We'll keep our cattle here. And we'll go fight. And, and Moses said, okay. And he, he gave them permission to do that. And he gave them the land with the condition that they would fight. And so then we picked up in Joshua, and, and Joshua reminded them, all right, guys, we're going over. You need to go with us. And they did. They went first. They led the way and into the promised land and, and did that. Okay? And so those have already been, and been given. Joshua's job now is just to confirm that and to allow them now, since, since the land has been taken, to have their inheritance. Okay? And so that inheritance that's given to Reuben is described in verses 15 to 30, 23, just for sake of time. Uh, we won't read all of that, but it basically lists this, the place and lists the families and things that will be there. 
Um, and then the inheritance given to Gad, same way as described in verses 24 to 28. And then the half-tribe of Manasseh. So Manasseh actually was split up into two tribes, two half-tribes, and half that tribe of Manasseh was also on that side, Jordan, and that was described in verses 29 to 31. How are we doing so far? Pretty good. Easy, right? Okay. All right. So that's what's going on there. We'll say more about that in a moment. And then verse 32, as we read, that, that whole section is really summarized. These are the countries which Moses did distribute. Okay, These are the ones he already gave to those uh, for inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other side, Jordan, by Jericho eastward. Okay? All right. So that's the first task, and Joshua did that. And so then, after that, we learn about the inheritance of the Levites. Again, look at verse 14. Uh, it says this. Only unto the tribe of Levi he gave none inheritance. The sacrifice of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he has said unto them. And so the Levites were not going to receive any boundary lines. They're not going to have uh, an actual uh, 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 boundary and inheritance and land for themselves. Uh, why? Because the sacrifices to God would be their inheritance. That's what it said in verse 14. And in verse 33, it's very almost identical language if you look at verse 33. But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as the Lord had said unto them. And so that's pretty cool, in a sense, right? So they, they, would, uh, they wouldn't have their own land, but they would have something, in some ways, even more incredible, right? They, would, they would be the ones who would be responsible for taking care of the tabernacle, where it would be set up there in Israel. And then eventually, when the temple was built and that permanent structure was built, they would be the tribe, they would be the ones to take care of, of all of that. They would be the priests. They would have the privilege of helping with the sacrifices to God. That's why it says, the sacrifices to God are, are their inheritance. They would have the privilege of, of speaking to God on Israel's behalf. You see, in the Old Testament, there was a priesthood. And in the Old Testament, before Christ died, if you wanted to commune with God, if you wanted to be in the presence of God, you had to go to a priest, and they would be your in-between. And you would go to the priest, and they would go to God for you. That has been abolished. Now, the Hebrew says, we are all priests, it says. There is no need for a priesthood anymore. It's unbiblical to go to a priest and then have the priest go to God. It's unbiblical to go to a confessional and talk to a guy and then have him talk to Mary and Mary talk to Christ. That is opposite of what the scripture says. The, he, we are all priests now. We can go straight to the throne of, of God. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews says he is our great high priest, and we are all priests, and we can go directly to God. We are all saints, and we have, we're all, we have all been sanctified by the blood of God, and there's not a hierarchy, and, and there's not people who are lifted up as saints, and there's not people who are recognized as priests, where they have a higher standing with God and able to speak with Him. All of that has been done with at the cross, we all have access now. But in that time, there was a priesthood. And at that time, if you wanted to speak with God, you had to go to the priest. And the Levites were them, you see? And so they, that was pretty special. They had a special bond with, with God, with Jehovah. And so because of that, they wouldn't have 
a, a, an earthly inheritance, they, in a sense, had a heavenly inheritance, if you, if you could view it that way. <coughs> it was an honor. <clears throat> it was an honor that they would have a special relationship with God. They would have the privilege of spending most of their time in the tabernacle and in the presence of God in a way that the other tribes wouldn't be able to experience uh, that way. And so again, more, more detail will be given about that later as we dig into that. And they'll, they'll be given cities and suburbs within each tribe, I believe. Um, and all of that will be dealt with in detail. But they won't have their own uh, land per, per se. Okay. So then again, we get to chapter 14. And it summarizes everything that we have just said. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 1 and 2 says, And these are the countries which the children of Israel inherited. In the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed for inheritance to them. Verse 2, by lot was their inheritance as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and for the half tribe. And so again here we're talking about that nine and a half tribes on this side Jordan that Joshua will, will, will read about, will divide uh, there, the verse two tells us that <clears throat> that nine and a half tribes on this side Jordan, it says they will be divided by lot. Now, what is that? What does it mean to be divided by lot? Well, we'll explain what that means here in a moment. But that was the way that God told Moses to divide the land. So, if you want to again turn back to Numbers chapter twenty-six, and we'll read some verses there and explain how this was all uh, established way back then in Numbers 26. God is speaking to Moses in, in verse 52. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Unto these the land shall be divided for an inheritance according to the number of names. To many thou shalt give the more inheritance, and to few thou shalt give the less inheritance. To every one shall his inheritance be given according to those that were numbered of him. Now verse 55, Notwithstanding, the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers shall they inherit, and inherit. According to the lot shall the possession thereof be divided between many and few. And so God said, listen, the, the tribes that have more, you'll give more land to. The, the tribes that you have less, you'll give less land to. But God says, never. he says, um, uh, verse 55, notwithstanding, he says, listen, you, you know, you need to work through this and you need to give the ones that have the more people the more land and the less people the less land. But really, notwithstanding, here's how it's going to be done, by lot. And so you're not really going to make the decisions. You're just going to do it by lot. I'll, I'll figure that out, God says. I'll give who, who um, has the bigger, the, the bigger land and who has the less people the less land. I'm going to take care of all that. And it's going to be taken care of through the process of lots. Now, the process of lots, the way it exactly worked out, we don't know in Scripture, but it's basically the same thing as like flipping a coin, or like the, the short straw, or something like that. It was, it was, it looked in, in their eyes like chance, like a game of chance almost. Uh, we, according to Jewish tradition, here's how they said it worked. Again, it's not spelled out anywhere in Scripture, but they said that what they did was they had a name of a tribe, and it was in one urn, and so the names of all four tribes were, were put in one urn, one, one container, 
and then there was another container that had the portions of land in them and the boundaries. And so what they would do is they would go to this and they would pull out a tribe, the tribe of Naphtali or whatever, and then they would go over here and draw out the boundary, and there you go. Naphtali, you get that. How are we doing? That's how it would do. That's by lots. It would have been by chance, listen, it would have been by chance on our side, but God told them to do it, so he was involved, right? And so it would be God who had decided that Naphtali uh, would get that amount of land. How are we doing? That's how it would have happened. Now, it wasn't again by blind chance. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And so God was involved with that. He told them to do that, and it would have been God who then divided the land in this instance. How are we doing? Does that make sense? Now, I will say, I wouldn't suggest drawing names out of a hat or flipping a coin to make most of your decisions in life. You know? All right, flip a coin, God, what do you want me to do? You make it land where you want it to. No, don't do that. This was a special time where God specifically said, do the lot thing, okay? Uh, but the idea here was this, is they were just leaving it totally up to God, right? This would not be their decision. This would be God's decision, God's decision who would get what uh, inheritance. And so then when that was done, they can just rest in what God had done. And, and rest in that with this land that we received tribe is from God, and we know God knows best, and we can trust that. Okay? That's what have, that would have been the idea. Now, if you're thinking that tonight, you'll know this. That's not exactly how it worked with the two and a half tribes. Remember we described the process. Remember the two and a half tribes? Remember when they got to the brink? And um, the, the verse 3 of chapter 14, and for, for Moses had given the inheritance of two tribes and a half tribe, the other side, Jordan. Moses gave them that land. They saw the land, remember that? They said, we have cattle, and this is a great place for cattle. Can we have it? They saw it, they reasoned it out, they liked it, and they asked Moses if they can have it. Now, they could have just waited and they could have just trusted that God knew they had cattle, and God knew that that was a good place for cattle. But hey, they also had no idea what was on the other side, Jordan. There could have been an even better place for cattle. But they said, we want this land. And so Moses said, you can have it. And so he gave them, again, as long as they would agree to fight, Moses gave them that land. Now, whether Moses should have done that or not, that's not for me to say but God did say before that time that it should be done by lot, right? By lot. And then the rest of verse 3 through verse 4 again reminds us that the Levites received no inheritance and they were given certain cities among the other tribes to live in. And so let's just back up and recap here. So you have the nine and a half tribes. They're going to be divided by lot and they're going to be trusting God to give them what God wants to give them. And then you have the tribe of Levi, who doesn't have an inheritance, and they're just going to trust God with what God gives them, and they're going to be responsible over the things of God. They didn't ask for that. God gave that to them. And then you have the two and a half tribes who saw and liked and asked. See? Instead of waiting and trusting God to give them 
what God wanted to give them. They were very much like Lot, which is kind of funny. Lot, lots. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. But anyway, remember Lot? Remember Abraham and Lot? And, and Abraham takes Lot with him, and, and they're getting too big to, to stay together. And, and Abraham says, Lot, I want you to you go ahead and pick what you want, and I'll, I'll take the other. And so Abraham, sort of like those nine and a half tribes, says, whatever I get, I'm going to trust God with. And Lot sees the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he sees that they're beautiful, and he likes it, and he sees it, and he likes it, and he takes it, right? Lot. Very similar to the two and a half tribes and what they did. Now, the question is this, was that a good decision? Was, it, was the request of that two and a half tribes to settle on that side of Jordan, uh, was it a wise one? Was that a good choice? Well, history will say no. If you read the history of Israel, those territories, here's why. Okay, you have the nine and a half tribes here, and then you have the what here? Jordan River. Now, they crossed it once, and it was pretty easy because God stopped it. But after that, kind of hard. And so what you have is most of Israel here, a big giant um, obstacle here, and then two and a half tribes over here, all vulnerable. And no, nothing on this side. No mountains, no nothing. No protection. And the protection they have is on the other side of the Jordan. Didn't go good for them. And, and they, they struggled a lot, those two and a half tribes. They, they faced a lot of, of problems. <clears throat> they, they had no natural boundaries to the east, and they were, they, so they were constantly exposed to the invasions of the, of the Moabites, of the Canaanites, of the Armenians, of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other ites who hated Israel. And every time it seems like Israel was attacked, they were the first target. They were the easy ones. They were stuck there. And by the time Israel, the rest, was able to come help, it was sometimes too late. And they were getting barraged over and over again. When the king of Assyria wanted to attack Israel, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh were the first to be carried off into captivity. In 1 Chronicles 5, you can read about that. And so they might have enjoyed that, and their cattle might have been happy for a little while, and it might have been good in that way, but they were more vulnerable to the enemy. And they were less connected to the rest of Israel. Why? Because they saw it, they liked it, they asked for it. God let them have it. Be careful what you ask for. Yeah, be careful not to get so excited by what you want and by how you feel things are supposed to be that you just go for it and leave God out of it. Be careful. It's a temptation always. No, 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 this is too good. This is all good. I don't need to get with God about it. It's obvious. No, it's not. You might be missing something. And God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And He sees things you don't see. And He sees stuff in the future on the other side that you might have been missing. And He sees the enemies that are going to come later and how vulnerable you're going to be in that position. You better not make a decision and ask God for something without consulting Him what He thinks. Be careful what you ask for. And you might even run it by God and see, listen, listen, this is important, and see if he agrees with what your decision already is. That's what they did, right? They go to Moses. Moses, we love this. 
It's perfect. And they give him this whole presentation. If they had PowerPoint, they'd be using it. And look at it. We have this kettle. We, there's this land. It all works great. Can we have it, please? What do you think? And Moses says, I don't know, because everyone else is going to fight. Oh, let's go back to the drawing board and come up with another presentation and go back to Moses. Yeah, 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 we get it. Yeah, that's a problem. We'll build it and we'll go with you. All right, fine. Right? And they ask and they ask and they ask and it's almost like they're whining about it. Please, 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 please. And eventually God says, yes. And it didn't end good. It didn't end good. Now there's nothing necessarily wrong with going and asking God what he thinks. But you cannot decide until after that. Are we following? As long as you make sure in this process, what you're trying to decide is not what you like or what you think is best. In the end, what you're trying to decide is what God wants. You can ask God what he thinks, but you need to have this in your mind. God, I want what you want and nothing else. That's the mindset we ought to have. Now, it's not, again, there's nothing wrong with seeing things lay out. And it's like, man, that sure makes sense. And, and this is here and that. And it seems like it would all work and all fall into place. And that's all good. And, and you can take that to God. But you just need to be ready for God to say no. They weren't ready for God to say no. Moses kind of said no. And they kept coming and coming and coming and begging. And they got it. You see? How are we doing? What we need is what God wants. Sometimes we go to God and say, hey, I've already decided to do this and wanted to make sure you were cool with it. Because this whole thing that I'm doing would be a lot better, God, if you were cool with it. And honestly, even if you're not cool with it, we're going to go with it. You know, That's kind of where we sometimes are with God, isn't it? And we try to get God on our page. And we're not making sure that we're on His page. Hey God, I've already accepted this, this job and I would like your blessing on it. Oh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, if you say no, I mean, I guess I could go and, and you know, quit. But, I mean, what do you think, God? You know? No, really, we probably should have started a little bit before we got. <clears throat> hey, God, I've already started this relationship with this person. And she really likes me, and I really like her. And it's, it's getting pretty serious. And, uh, God, I just want to make sure what you think about it. Hey, God, I've enrolled my kids in these activities. And I would really appreciate it if you can make it all work out. Hey God, I made this big purchase, and I would sure love it if you would provide <laughs> for me to not go into debt and, and uh, so I can eat. That'd be really good. Listen, be careful what you ask for, because sometimes God will give it to you. And He's not always going to clean it up. And He's going to sometimes let you face a little bit of it. Now He's not going to leave you. He loves you. And if you ask and you come and repent, he'll, he, can, he can fix it. But there's a good chance he's going to let you face a little bit of that just so you see, hey, next time you should probably come asking first. Yeah. Yep. Might even be okay. I mean, your decision, you didn't ask God, you did it. And, and it might even be okay, but there's a good chance that that decision is going to bring with it a good amount of complications a good amount of difficulties that you were not expecting because you were too excited about it. and So excited about everything you loved about the decision 
that you never took the time to get God's mind really on it. Maybe you didn't anticipate how much that job really would take you out of church, or those activities really would take you out of church. Maybe you didn't understand how tight and how stressful your finances really would be after making that decision. And the list can go on and on. And maybe you didn't understand how much of a jerk this guy was just because he was cute and he was giving you attention and he was, he was, he was meeting some needs that you have in your life and you didn't consider how hard life would get whenever it got serious enough. But you never asked God about it. You never sought godly counsel about it. You just jumped in and now here you are and it's going to be difficult at times. And I am telling you, God can still help, and He can still work things out, and He can still make it all happen. But I'm just telling you, you need to make sure you ask God first next time. Because you can avoid a lot of that. The right way to ask is this, God, you know, this decision, it seems like everything's right. It seems like the best decision. And everything seems to make sense in my mind. And you know, in the past, God, as you've led, it, it kind of felt this way. And, and you know, it just seemed like every step of the way, you, you've made it happen, and you've, you've done miracle and miracle. And that, God does lead that way, doesn't he, sometimes? And he, and he clears roads, and he opens doors, and, and it's like he puts it in your lap, and God does that sometimes. And so sometimes you get in life, and, and it just seems like things are just happening in front of you, and, and you're like, this all makes sense, God, but I just want to be sure that you're in this. That's how we should have asked, Right? And that's how they maybe should have asked. And they say, God, you know, I like this. I'm excited about this. It's all making sense. But God, truly, if, it's some, if there's something I'm missing, God, please make it clear to me. And you go to, a, you go to a godly person, go to your pastor, go to some other godly individual and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. And this is what my heart's telling me. And you can go to a godly person who can see your, your situation and have the heart removed and have the excitement removed, and see it clearly, and then see it biblically, and maybe point something out maybe you've missed. God, if this is something you want for me, please make that clear. And God, if this is something you, is something you don't want for me, please make that clear. And you pray, and if you have a heart like that, and if you're truly wanting what God wants out of this, and you come to Him, God will make it clear. He's not... He's not here to, to mess with us, and He's not a God of confusion, and He's not here to, to dangle carrots and, and see if we'll make some bad mistake. No, God wants to guide, God wants to direct, and the problem almost, oh, I'm, I'm backwards, the problem is never the fact that God doesn't want to lead and that He's hiding what He wants from us. The problem is always this, that we haven't asked Him because we've already decided, and we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah. If you pray that way and you ask God's leadership, He might even open doors that you don't even know existed. Right, Brother Tim? Yeah. As we're talking about the bulging disc and the things we wanted from God, and we say, God, it would sure be nice if you would just get us, get Brother Tim right in that surgery right then and have it all prepped and ready. We were praying that way, weren't we? And man, God, well, it would sure be nice if, if you could just get this surgery done and over with and the pain could be gone. And then God goes ahead and does something we never even thought was a thing. And physical therapy can take care of it. You see, because God knows better than us. And, you know, we, again, there's nothing wrong with reasoning through it, and there's nothing wrong with planning, and there's nothing wrong with seeing how things line up, because God does work that way uh, oftentimes. But the whole time, here's our mind that we need to keep. God, really, in the end, Lord, here's what I want. I just want what you want. I just want what you want. 
The job might come up that you didn't know was even open. A car or a house might come available that you didn't know was available. Right? <clears throat> might even come at a better deal than you thought was possible. God might give you something that you never even asked for or even thought to ask for. He could bring the right person into your life at the right time. He's able to do these things. But here's the thing. We need to wait on Him. It's always best to wait on God. And so what we need to do is decide now that no matter what decision you're making, what you want is what God wants, always. And if God says no, we're not going to get upset about it. We're not going to go whining and figure another angle to ask Him about it. We're going to say, God, I want what you want. If you say no, then I, the answer is no, and there's a better yes out there. And I'm just going to follow you. Yeah, Teenagers, you want to be adults right now. You want to make some adult decisions. And you know what I'm talking about. And you know, you want to have it all lined up. You want to know what, what you're going to do with your life. You want to know what college you're going to go to. You want to know this and that. You want to know who you're going to marry. And you want to know right now. And most teenagers think they know who it is at 16. You don't. You don't. You're not ready for that. It's not, it's not it. I'm just, I mean, I, I can't say that for sure. I'm not a prophet, but it's, it's just not it. Just wait. And God could bring you the right one at the right time, and you need to be willing to wait on Him. You need to be willing to, to wait for the right person to marry. You need to be willing to wait for the right job to come up. You need to be willing to wait for the college God wants you to go to. You need to be ready to follow God and accept His no's and follow His yeses. And when you do that, you won't regret it. And you might lose out on some stuff. And there might be people in your life, people who are pagan and don't care about what God thinks, who says, yeah, you did that and you gave all that up. And what are you doing? Here's what I'm doing. I'm just following God. And He'll make it work out. I remember when I gave up my scholarship to Arizona State and all of the flack I got. What are you doing? Why are you giving that up? That's thousands and thousands of dollars of education. That can take you so far in this world. And I, I just said, I don't know why. I just know God said, no ASU, yes Bible college, and I'm just going to follow Him. And I am so glad I did that. And you'll never regret it. Follow God. Follow God. Don't go out there seeking for, for promotion. Go out there seeking with ambition for things. You just need to trust God and get ready to receive the inheritance God has for you. Listen, <clears throat> don't settle for what is good and miss out for what is best. Never settle for what is good and okay and your life will probably be fine but you miss out on the best that God has for you. Don't get ahead of God. Let God lead and just want always what He wants. Want what He wants. Let's pray. God, thank You for being so good to us. Thank You for loving us enough to lead us. Lord, You know what's best for us. We don't. Lord, we're so frail, we're so limited, we don't know the future, we don't know what's best for us, but you do. 
So help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us always, always, God, to be willing to give up anything we want, any dream that we have, any job that we desire, any person that we want to marry, any, any decision that we are excited about. Help us to be willing to put those to the side and ask what you want and, and, and desire that more than anything else. And just watch as you lead and guide and direct. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. <clears throat> God's working in your heart.